welcome to Beyond the Couch. This is a podcast presented by Bridges Mental Health. I am Sam. I'm Christy. I'm Diana. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about the upcoming holiday season and helping enforce boundaries and what that might look like for everyone, which I know is probably a topic that may be helpful considering we're moving close to Thanksgiving. I mean, I love Thanksgiving because I just love to eat. Um, I really like potatoes. There's a lot of potatoes that are often featured at Thanksgiving. So that's probably my favorite one that's coming up in the future. What about you, Christy? Favorite holiday? I would say Christmas just has a lot of spaciousness around it because there is usually a lot more time that I get to spend with whoever I'm celebrating the holiday with. And this year, I'm excited to spend it with my little nephew. And he's growing up so fast. So it will be cool to see his personality a bit more this year because he's very young. So I'm just excited to be with a bunch of family. Um, and this year it'll be Christmas for me. Actually, that brings up an interesting point. I think maybe for some people, the holidays may not have necessarily like a very personal meaning. Um, and I know maybe for people who come from cultures where, you know, these are, these holidays aren't really celebrated, just kind of getting to know the holidays through the time you get off, like maybe from school or from work and making maybe traditions that are not related to those holidays at all, but just using that time in a, in a way. And, you know, I just, I think back to my own um, experience of like Thanksgiving and having food that was not, you know, your typical traditional Thanksgiving sort of food you know, my mother would try to get creative and like make a duck or something, or like one year she stuffed the turkey with sticky rice. I remember being a kid and thinking like, why can't we just have like a traditional Thanksgiving dinner? And so <laughs> I think that maybe that's an experience other people have had, but just like not feeling like completely connected to a holiday in the way that I thought that maybe we should be connecting with it and just having such a different experience. So I think like that has shaped the way I think about holidays. Um, but also I agree with you, Christy, like sometimes it's about like, oh yeah, Christmas means like I have a lot of time. I have, I, I can use this time in a different way or, you know, spend it. Yeah. That, I think that's definitely something I resonate with. Yeah, Diana, you bringing up the piece about food that you eat at the holidays is giving me so many flashbacks because um, on my mom's side, they're, we're Japanese American. And so my family were pretty a-religious, like kind of Buddhist, definitely not Christian, but we celebrated what I call like American Christmas, commercial American Christmas, where it's more about kind of giving gifts, having that extra time together more than it really is about any of the religious aspects. But we would always eat egg rolls on Christmas and New Year's. That was a thing that my family did where it's sort of like a big group thing of we all sit together and we wrap the egg rolls and we make the filling. Um, that's, I think, so kind of non-traditional for probably many, many people who celebrate maybe a little bit more westernized version of Christmas. So it's just like flashing back and it's, it's making me want egg rolls now. <laughs> I know, that was making me want like the, the, the Korean dishes we always mm -hmm. have at holidays. Like my family tends to have more like traditional food or like tr traditional American foods, but we have maybe half at the minimum our Korean dishes too. And that made me yearn for that. I have, I'm missing Korean food, especially when they're made by my family members. 
So maybe that's like an interesting place to start around boundaries in the holidays, especially around food, which can be a really tricky piece for people who maybe are struggling with eating and, and food-related issues, but also food can be challenging for a lot of different folks for different reasons. People commenting on our bodies, people commenting on what we're eating. I know that that's been something that has, is often coming up in the work, but also personally of like anticipating a lot of food with excitement in a, in a really great way. But then also kind of going back into a lot of family messages around how much people are eating, family, especially if we're seeing family for the first time in a while. I know that's a big piece around elders commenting on how fat or how big we look in our bodies, or if we should be changing something about our bodies. Yeah, it's so funny. The the only time my grandmother, my tiny Japanese grandmother ever yelled at me was around eating. She had made some sort of vegetable. I think I was maybe eight or nine years old and I was full and I really didn't want to eat it. And she got really irate with me. And that, you know, now I can look back on it and laugh, but I remember that being actually a really, really upsetting experience for me around, you know, here's my sweet, soft-spoken grandma who never gets mad. And she's yelling at me about something that genuinely feels like if I were to force myself to eat it, I might feel sick. And I think that goes back to a lot of the, the stories or experiences that many people have, particularly in my family, where there's a lot of encouragement around eating and eat more. There's still food on your plate. And this expectation of like, eat the food. And that shows us that you accept our family's love or our care or the effort that we put into this, then kind of counterbalanced with comments that might be made about your body, you know, oh, you look a little chubby or, oh, you're too skinny and how those things can feel so conflicting and upsetting and putting boundaries around that can oftentimes feel really intimidating and scary. You know, what is it like to tell an older family member who has a lot of power within the family that, you know, you actually can't say that about me. Or when you say that about my body, I feel really uncomfortable or whatever it is. Yeah. That's, that's a huge piece of it. My, my sweet grandmother, she also gets mad. Like the one time I've ever seen her mad is when people aren't eating a lot. And that's like her main phrase when we're all together is like eat a lot. She goes around and tells all of my cousins and myself this and it's an interesting kind of balance because she, my grandmother's Korean and she was growing up a teenager during the Korean war. She experienced a ton of scarcity around food and the idea that now we're in the U S and that we're could possibly leave food on the table or on the plate or not eating all of the food that has been prepared for us is something that is so hard for her to, to sit with and tolerate so it becomes then this banter I have with her, but there's also then that generational difference of it might not be the best for us to eat everything that is put in front of us, you know, that we also want to be able to honor our own body's cues or what feels more comfortable for us. Also that scarcity thing that is still driving her to make us eat a lot, even if we don't want to. Yeah, I think both of what you said really resonated with me and just brought up a lot of like feelings. <laughs> I felt the confusion as you were talking about it. And I think that it can be really hard, especially if, you know, you have moved out of the home and have sort of like come to your own way, your own knowledge of, you know, what your body wants and how you feel best um, to come back to that sort of environment and then be put back into, you know, age 10, age 15, you know, the feelings of like, 
oh, obligation to eat, to finish everything on my plate and to accept love and all of that, right? And then to have this feeling of like realization that, you know, that wasn't great for me to do that then and it isn't great for me now. And then how do I integrate all of this and have my own opinion without rejecting what they're asking of me? And I think that's hard, right? The first or the first few times, or even just like getting into the pattern of being able to do that with your family can be really challenging because oftentimes we go right back to our old selves. Like we sort of like go back to our teenage self with our family, right? And so many, so many holiday arguments and, you know, conflicts can come out of that. Yeah, Diana, I so appreciate that you bring up this piece around when you go home sometimes or you're with your family, immediate, extended, you might feel like you're 10 years old again. It reminds me of this quote that I share with my clients oftentimes, and I'm probably misquoting it to some degree, but I believe Ram Dass said it of every time I think I've reached spiritual enlightenment, I go home to my parents and I realize I have more work to do around the ways in which our family can be so triggering to us. And we feel like we go right back to being a little kid or a teenager. And sometimes that means being rebellious and snapping more than we would when we're away from them in our adult lives. And sometimes that comes with a sense of a little bit of disempowerment of, you know, we do all this work or we come to our adult selves and we have this sense of what is good for us or what is the way in which we feel comfortable talking to people or relating to people. And then when you go back into an environment, you might feel like that little kid version of yourself who maybe doesn't have that power or ability to really advocate for themselves. So I think acknowledging and just kind of speaking to the fact in which this stuff is really hard, especially with our families, you know, setting new boundaries and letting them know the ways in which we feel comfortable relating to them. Yeah, especially if we're going back into environments that are so triggering or they feel like we're regressing, even if it's kind of showing where the work might still be. An important grounding tool that's been helpful for me is kind of having someone who feels connected to my present life or my adult life that is quote unquote on call, who like knows that these challenges could be coming up, a ton of feelings could be coming up, but talking to them feels like, okay, I remember who I am now instead of only being surrounded by memories or triggers of who I was when I was young and maybe who I've changed from being. But if there's like an ongoing group chat or you're checking in with someone every day of, of a trip or a visit who does ground you to who you are now, it can be so calming just to have a reference point. Yeah, Christy, I really like that kind of chain to people in my adult life, like a friend, a roommate, a partner, whatever it is, that sort of, I can check in with this person and kind of remember a little bit more maybe about how I feel when I'm outside of this space. Another tip that popped into my mind as you were speaking about that around something that can be really helpful is to actually talk about some of these things before you're home and back in the environment of like, if I can have a conversation with mom, dad, grandma, aunt, uncle, whoever, about some of the things that might feel different next time I come home around, you know, just a heads up. I don't really feel comfortable with you making comments on my body this time when I come home. Like when I come home, can you do your best to not say anything about it? Or can you also talk to dad about it or whatever it is? And getting a little bit ahead of it while you're in your space, still at your apartment, your house, your home, away from the environment that might feel triggering, you might be doing some work of protecting yourself in the long run. You kind of gave them a heads up. And then 
rather than having to have these conversations when you're back in the environment where the stuff can feel so intense. Yeah. I think it along the same lines, like preparation in terms of like your own, you know, actions can be really helpful too. Like, okay, well, what are some of the things that are likely or possible to come up during, you know, the holidays when I'm home and trying to figure out for yourself, like what you can do in that moment too. If, for example, you know, your, your family isn't respecting what you're asking for, like, okay, well, if that happens, then you know, I'll go for a walk or I will call a friend or maybe I will leave and deciding for yourself what feels right and taking action on it because it's hard to know what is going to feel right, but knowing the options ahead of time can be helpful. Yeah, a similar thing is having rituals too while you're with family. And in that same vein of, like you said, Diana, it can be things that you have planned as a kind of safety net, if it's helpful to have those grounding tools of like continuing to meditate or continuing to do yoga or whatever it is every day so that you're still connected to what your normal life feels like or what your grounding tools feel like, even if that's ordering food and having it delivered to your family's home so that you have these things that help you feel comfortable or bringing something that like a certain candle or something that does feel like your own apartment or your own environment that you're taking with you so that you're not completely immersed into this stranger, unfamiliar, or possibly triggering environment too. It's also, I think, helpful to think about why you're going back home, right? Like what are your values around going back home? What's your goal? And when you start to find yourself feeling annoyed, frustrated, and any of those feelings, those like uncomfortable negative feelings that come up around your family or your friends at home, just trying to sit with that and see how it's taking away from your goal of being at home and trying to figure out if you're still able to be at home for the right reasons. We're talking all about going home and what that's like, but I think it's worth also making space to acknowledge the people who maybe make the choice due to their own boundaries to not go home or maybe going home is not possible. You know, I'm thinking about many international folks who are living here, who for whatever reason can't go back to where they're from to spend that time with their family. That can have a lot of loss, even if you're kind of consciously making that decision for a reason. And it can feel isolating, especially if you see many people around you going and spending that time with your family. I think what you're bringing up around acknowledging your values and your decisions for making this choice can be really helpful as far as fending off some of those feelings that might come up around the toughness of making that choice to, to maybe not spend the holidays with your family. Yeah, that there might even be members of our families who are no longer with us or we're not feeling comfortable or safe to go travel or to visit, especially older folks. And so those might still be decisions that we're making that feel most safe or protective for us, but there's also still a lot of grief or loss in that too. How do you imagine people can still enjoy a holiday or honor it the way that feels comfortable for them if they are on their own? One thing that pops into my mind is, you know, there was a year where I lived in London. And so when I was living there, I didn't come back to the U.S. to spend any of the holidays with my family. I kind of just parked up there for the whole year and was there always. And one thing that was really helpful for me during that time, especially around 
Christmas, you know, Hanukkah times that I typically would have spent with my family was to find other people who maybe weren't going back as well or spending that time with their family as well and doing something special together. A friend of mine who was also living in Europe at the time, um, we met up, we went on a little trip together. We spent Christmas together in Italy, which was actually really, really cool. But so even though there was still sadness and I remember FaceTiming with my family and feeling sad that I wasn't there, which that's also normal to feel sad, to not be doing X, Y, Z thing. And I think it's okay to allow space for that. I also found a little way to still feel connected to someone who was special to me and, and make it kind of a special day. And I remember, you know, in Italy, everything, truly everything is closed on Christmas. And the only thing that we were able to do for the meal was get Chinese food. Um, but it was just kind of this funny, sweet thing. So I think seeking out other people who maybe you can spend that time with doing something to still make it feel special to you. Yeah. I love that idea. I think that's an example of just remembering that you have your chosen family as well. You know, for some people, family isn't where they feel um, most connected. They're, they're themselves um, accepted and, you know, maybe friends and other community are those people. And I am sure that we can all think of things that we feel grateful for, even if there are many things that we feel are missing from our lives. There, there is, the ability to also focus on some of those things that we do have. There might be some meaning in recreating some memories or like still getting a tree or a menorah or something that resembles the holiday that we most enjoyed or like the most joyful parts of it, where you're still honoring how important it is to celebrate for ourselves. Yeah. And I like that part Christy you said about like, honoring and integrating in the little traditions that might still feel joyful, even if other parts of it aren't what you're choosing for yourself this year. You know, one thought that popped into my mind, and this kind of relates back to some of the holidays that I might have already experienced was this year for Rosh Hashanah, I made the choice not to go spend it with my family because I had recently been exposed to someone who had tested positive for COVID. I think this is something that a lot of us probably have familiarity with. And so even though I had gotten tested and was negative, I still felt like it just wasn't worth the risk just in case it hadn't been like totally enough time. So I decided to stay. My partner came over. We cooked some things that we typically cook for that day. And I was actually really touched because he had looked up some of the prayers in Hebrew and was playing them. He's not Jewish. So it's something that's very unfamiliar to him. But even just that of him doing that felt really powerful and special to me. And, you know, I got a little bit of a taste of something, even if it's not the way in which I would usually do it. I think that's also a lovely story or example around like, maybe we don't share the same traditions or the same holidays, but especially if you're seeking to be with your chosen family, as opposed to people who you grew up celebrating with, that it could be a really lovely way to introduce other people in your life to the traditions you've had, or the things that are still meaningful for you, or creating sort of like new traditions that become part of your family or your life moving forward. And being able to be with both, right? Because some of it can feel really upsetting to to not be able to participate in something that you've always cherished, whether it's because, you know, that, you know, family members are no longer close or there's been a loss or something, right? Like there's probably a lot of people out there who would like to have those traditions, but can't for some reason or another. And honoring that loss while also trying to be open to how else um, you can honor and celebrate. 
So I know this is kind of corny and people may roll their eyes, but they truly work is practicing I statements. I find so often that when it comes to setting boundaries and if you're wanting to avoid conflict best you can, as much as you can stay away from blame or from the use, I think the food example is a good one. If I were to go up to a family member and say, you always make comments about my body. You can't do that anymore. That might cause some conflict. And so not that, you know, conflict is always so bad. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but I think that practicing I statements, keeping it on my own experience and away from the blame might help delivering the boundary land a little bit smoother. So if I rephrased it and said, I feel uncomfortable when comments are made about my body. And I know you might not mean it in any which way. Moving forward, can we do X, Y, Z thing instead? Or I would really appreciate it if, you know, you could avoid making comments of my body in the future. In my work that I've done with clients as well, it just tends to to go a little bit smoother. I definitely find those also just personally hard to do. Like I have to practice them first. <laughs> like what's the way that I'm going to say it so I can practice it and then have it ready to go. For me, when I think about boundaries, I also think about the time and space that I need for myself and like, how long am I going to spend with my family? Uh, Knowing that they are the way they are, how can I still create time and space for myself when I'm with them and being able to establish that with them like ahead of time, whether it's like agreeing to go back for two days versus four days, right? Because knowing that, you know, after that, I still need time to take care of my own things and setting that sort of space and time boundary with them. And so I find that to be helpful. Yeah, you're both speaking to such important themes, like make yourself comfortable. Like as much as we can, we do have some sense of control over how we're relating to people and what we're agreeing to. Making yourself comfortable. I think that's really important. Yeah, and realizing that, you know, a lot of times we're operating on automatic, right? Like if we are with our family, we're just going right back to the old ways, but we don't have to do that. I think too, one thing that's important to keep in mind whenever we're thinking about boundaries is acknowledging that setting them is hard and it does take energy. And oftentimes it takes a little bit of extra initial energy to make that push. The goal is that in the long term, you're going to be saving energy and saving your spiritual sense of like what feels good and okay for you. Along with that, some people are worth the energy and the time and some relationships might not be. Like, for example, with my grandmother, I don't fight her when she tells me to eat a lot, but I do vent to my brother. It doesn't feel worthwhile for me to confront her around this thing that is mostly an act of love for her, but it can still be challenging on my own. And so in that way, I would still want to take care of myself, just maintaining the, the idea that you can always be quiet if you need to. And then if you need to say something, that's also an option there too, but you're not expected to be responsible for how everyone else is behaving or pushing back at every point, especially if it's going to deplete you and you're going to end Mm -hmm. up exhausted by the end of the day. And this is also just bringing up for me, just like a reminder of having some grace for yourself, because as much as you might go in with this desire to be ready, to be loving towards everybody in your family, to practice these boundaries, right? You might still (laughs) have a really bad day. You might yell at someone, you might explode and giving yourself some compassion for that because it's hard to put all of these into place. I think setting boundaries early on, 
is really hard. And if we hold ourselves to the expectation that we're going to do it perfectly, when we do it, we may never do it. One thing that I think is helpful is to focus a lot more on the process of trying versus the response or the reaction that you might get. Just because you didn't get the response or the reaction that you hoped for doesn't mean that you trying to set the boundary or doing something new is wrong. Try your best to celebrate the fact that you were willing to give it a go and try something different. And that next time you try, you'll tweak it a little bit. And maybe that'll be the right thing. <laughs> I also feel exhausted. I'm like, oh man, holidays are tough. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh God, this is, this is, I'm not sure if there's any, anything else to say except that. <laughs> yeah. Now we have to go and, and practice what we preach, I suppose, when we think about our own, our own upcoming trips uh, and time that we'll be spending with family over the next few months. There's so much more to holidays and gatherings and boundaries. We could talk about boundaries for the rest of our lives. But if people have specific thoughts, other questions, feel free to DM us or email us. And we'll be happy to to keep chatting about them in future weeks. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.